0: Jayatu Sanskritam Jayatu Bharati My paper is called Sanskrit is not dead and this is in response to Pollock's claim that Sanskrit is dead and here I have outline of Purpaksha understanding and explore Pollock's arguments brief summary of his case studies and in response I am going to Gave a case study of Raja, Raja case study. Why we are concerned about Polak's statement? Because Polak is a very important person, he is a top Sanskrit scholar in USA, he is having international acclaim, he has received Padma Shri from President of India. And more than that, he is the general editor of Murti Classical Literary Library of India. And Thus he is very influential because he is going to publish all these books uh, Indian scriptures translated under his guidance so he can choose what he wants to write, how he wants to present who are the translators, how things are to be interpreted and therefore this is a very crucial uh, position because he can actually influence the Indian scholars, Indian masses by this work. Therefore we need to counter his idea of Sanskrit as dead. So we have five purpakshas here and the response in brief to them. First one is Sanskrit as a tool for Hindutva political movement. This is one of the things which he says. This is a quote from his book. In the age of Hindu identity politics, Hindutva, inaugurated in the 1990s by the ascendancy of the Indian People's Party Bharatiya Janata Party and its ideological auxiliary, the World Hindu Council, Vishwa Hindu Parishad. Indian cultural and religious nationalism has been promulgating ever more distorted image of India's past. Few things are as central to this revisionism as Sanskrit. So this, he is saying that this revival of Sanskrit and promotion of Sanskrit is actually there is a political agenda behind it. So our response is that everything is politicized. You cannot separate politics from life, from language. After all, politics is also done through language and Sanskrit is one of the languages of India. It is one of the recognized languages of India. So you can't say that Sanskrit has to be completely free from politics. And if there are people who like Sanskrit, naturally they would like to promote it. And uh, what is wrong with that? So some people prom- promote Hindu Hinduism, some pr- people promote the language of Hindus as Hindi, some are promoting Urdu, Bengali, Punjabi. If you go to South India, they promote Tamil, or Telugu, or their own language. So I don't see any specific reason to stress only Sanskrit and make this claim. Sanskrit historical sphere of influence extends beyond Hindu identity politics. Sanskrit is not just for Hinduism but you know there are other religions also which are of course they came out from Hinduism whether it is Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism their scriptures also some of them are written in Sanskrit or they make reference to Sanskrit works or even if they don't have original literature in Sanskrit such as Sikhism but it is based on Sanskrit literature they also talk about Rama and they talk about Krishna they talk about many saints, sages who are part of history of India. So, it is not that it's Sanskrit is just propaganda to promote Hinduism. Then, second Purpaksha is that poor quality of Sanskrit education. So, he says that with few exceptions, however, the Sanskrit pedagogy and scholarship at these institutions have shown a precipitous decline from pre-independence quality and standards, almost in inverse proportion to the amount of funding they receive. So this is one of the characteristics of Pollock, that he makes claims, but does not give any data or basis of his claim, he just makes a statement. So like he says, it is inversely proportion to the amount of funding they receive, but there is no statistical evidence provided, there are no sources referred and these terms are very undefined it's just rhetorical and trying to influence the mind of people because he has a good position he is acclaimed as a great scholar of Sanskrit so if he says something then it carries weight even if he is not supporting it with any proof so this kind of statement doesn't have much value unless you try to prove it or give some source or references so, we don't value this. Then he says that poor performance in contemporary literature. So, Sanskrit literature has fared no better. This is one of his quotes. So, we, will, we show that actually it is not true. Sanskrit has not fared worse than many other languages in India. It has received Sahitya Academy Awards about six of them. It has also received the Gyanapit Award in 2006, which is one of the top awards in Sanskrit. So it cannot be said that it is poor unless you just want to, you know, make a case against it. But there are many other languages which have done as good or as bad as Sanskrit. Sanskrit may not be doing best among the Indian languages. Originally there were 16 recognized languages, now there are more, but it is also not at the lowest rung of the languages. Then next thing he says is that there was a momentous rupture after 1550 to 1750 vibrant period. and. Currently, with the spread of European power, however, this dynamism diminished so much that by 1800 the capacity of Sanskrit thought to make history had vanished. This is a quote from Pollock's book. So we actually show from data which we have collected from Carl H. Potter's Encyclopedia of Indian Philosophy. In the first volume, he has given a list of authors from century to century and he has also given the list of books which were written and here we have a chart and this chart is related to the authors, unique Sanskrit authors on the rise. So if you see from 17th century to 18th century to 19th century to 20th century, it's actually if you see the number of, of authors then the chart is very clear that it is going up and This chart does not show that Sanskrit is dead. Actually, there are more people writing now than in 17th century. Although the books, if you see the number of books, number of Sanskrit works, that is declined. Surely this chart shows that there is a decline. But still, in 20th century, again you see that the curve is going up and we don't have the data for the 21st century. But if that data is available, probably it is continuing to go up. So there is always periods, you know, in every everything, even in companies, even in business, even in politics, even one's own life. There are ups and downs. So we do agree that Sanskrit did take a dip in the 18th century, but it is again picking up. And the reason we have not researched that, and Polak also doesn't give any reason why it happened, but probably it is because Britishers took over India in that period, in the 18th century, and they changed India's education system drastically, from its traditional Gurukula system to the Western style, so probably that is one of the reasons that it took a dip. Otherwise, even in the Mughal period, you know, it was flourishing. And again it is picking up now, so, this doesn't prove that Sanskrit is dead or Sanskrit is frozen in time, it says or Sanskrit is still born. So, then, one of Purupaksha which we make is Pollock's unsubstantiated vague terminology. He is very good at this. His writing is very terse and difficult to understand, and to actually overwhelm the reader, thinking that he is a great scholar, and therefore, just believe what he is saying. But if one pays attention to his writing, then there is not much strength in it. Like he makes this statement, most observers would agree that in some crucial way Sanskrit is dead. Now this is a very vague statement, because who are the observers in agreement to this? Are they the western scholars? Are they his followers? He chelas, who are they? Are they European scholars, American scholars? Does it include the Indian scholars? So he doesn't say anything nor does he substantiate it by what does he mean by most observers. So he makes the statement, which is actually a false statement because most observers will not agree that Sanskrit in some crucial way is dead because it is not dead. So, and then he does not define what is death of a language. That is another interesting thing, because what is the meaning of language is dead. If he does not define it, in our Nyaya, one thing which is very important is that you give a definition. Whenever you say something, you define what it means. You know, If you say dravya, if you say guna, you, know, you have to give a definition of it but he doesn't give any definition and then it leaves for people to just speculate and because he is an authority in his field he has big clout around him he is awarded by president of India so even Indian scholars may think wow he is saying it must be true but the data does not support this so he makes this vague terminology similarly government feeding tubes and oxygen tanks may try to preserve the language in a state of Quasi animation, but most observers would agree that in some crucial way Sanskrit is dead. So, Sanskrit is not in a quasi animation state. Sanskrit is actually still functioning. There are many scholars in India who still speak in Sanskrit. There are some, at least some villages in South India, there are villages in Himachal Pradesh where people actually speak in Sanskrit in their day to day life. And I give an example here of there is, we have this forum of scholars, Bhartiya Parishat, Parishad. And I got the figure from them that there are 1623 scholars who are actively engaged on it. I am also one of them. And regularly there is a talk on this forum about Sanskrit literature, about poetry, about philosophy. There are questions which are asked in Sanskrit, there are questions which are answered in Sanskrit the reference to the literature, slokas, analysis of grammatical rules so this is not possible if a language is dead or frozen or stillborn then we know that there is a world Sanskrit conference since 1972 and every three years they have you know world conference on this last one was 2015 there were 21 different Sanskrit fields including pedagogy, contemporary Sanskrit writing, poetics, philosophy, and so on. So with all this, the statement that Sanskrit is dead does not hold ground. Then, interestingly, Pollock gave, actually gives a definition of language vitality. And this is very important to measure. He says the communication of new imagination, for example, is hardly less valuable in itself than the communication of new information. In fact, a language capacity to function as a vehicle for such imagination is one crucial measure of its social energy. So this is a very important statement which he makes and we agree with him. And this actually defies his very claim that Sanskrit is dead because Sanskrit is still vital in the sense even if there are no new literature coming out in Sanskrit it is still a source of new imagination and so many ways people read they get ideas from Sanskrit there are many scholars in India they're interpreting it newer new visions are coming from it We, we will speak later on that there are rituals which are based on Sanskrit. There are pujas, which are based on how deities are installed. And there are, you know, Kathakars, which are giving talks and based on Sanskrit literature. They give new interpretation to it. So to say that Sanskrit is not giving a vital you know, energy to the society is around taking his own words. So we have done a case study specifically to show because Palak himself has done a case study in his book. He has four case studies done to prove that Sanskrit is dead. So to counter that, I have done a case study of Vraja. I live in Vrindavan and this whole area, 84 square miles, is called Vraja area. This is a place where Krishna lived 5,200 years ago. And especially in Brindavan, there are a lot of temples, ashrams. But not only in Brindavan, in Mathura, in Radha Kund, in Govardhan, and Barsana, Nandgaon, There are places where temples and ashrams, and there is Sanskrit study going on there. So I have made this case study, and I am making this case study specifically to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That is the school of thought I am following. And by that I want to show that Sanskrit is actually not dead at all. I call it Thalipulak Nyaya, those who are Sanskrit scholars, they know it very well, that when you cook rice you want to see whether rice is cooked or not, you take one grain of it and then if that is cooked, then the whole thing is cooked, so I consider whole of India like a big pot because primarily it is country of Hindus whose literature are primarily in Sanskrit and their life, their rituals, their practices, their religion, everything is based on that. So if we can see that Sanskrit has lived in Vraja area, then from that we can see that it has also lived all over India in the same way. Because Vraja is a place which is very close to Delhi. And as we will see it is a place which was attacked by Aurangzeb, and all the temples were destroyed. People were actually not allowed even to put tilak or sacred thread of nan. Here they have to practically close everything and still it has survived. So I say that this is actually a place where the grain is hardest grain, and if the hardest grain is cooked, then other grains must be cooked. That's my logic. So I do three things in my case study one is literary production, other is the ritual use, and third is the education. So, first, literary production. So, 16th century, new religion, explosion of lively and imaginative activity initiated by various scholars, poets and saints. This is a quotation from David Heberman, who is a great scholar from West. I think he studied in Chicago, probably a student of Demok Junior, I believe. And the Vaishnava culture that began in Vraja in the 16th century is still vitally alive today. This is not my statement, but a quotation from him. And the works of the creative leaders of the Roja were then carried by others throughout northern India, thus the lasting influence of the poetry, text and religious culture that were produced. So this is one quotation. Then there is another quote from S.K. Day. He was a great scholar in the 20th century from Bengal. And his works are very well honored. One of the most remarkable features of the Chaitanya movement is its extraordinary literary activity. Bold is mine. The power and vitality of its inspiration being evidenced by the vast literature which is produced both in the learned classical tongue and in the living language of the province. It enriches the field of Sanskrit scholarship by its more solid and laborious productions in theology, philosophy, ritualism and ras Shastra. So on the other, it poured itself out lavishly in song and story, almost creating as it did a new literary epoch. So this is a very solid proof that Sanskrit was very much alive here in Braja and not only alive but actually it created a new school of thought all based on Sanskrit literature so no question of sanskrit diminishing or dying here is another quote from a western scholar to this effect tony stewart they were scholars who had been deputed together and composed texts so they might better explain the religious devotion bhakti that Chaitanya had revealed so they here refers to the six goswamis of Vrindavan Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Jeeva Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, Raghunath Bhattu Goswami, and Gopal Bhattu Goswami. All of them composed work in Sanskrit, except Raghunath Bhattu Goswami. And they wrote many, many works, and especially among them Jeeva Goswami, he was a very prolific writer, he composed on every field. He wrote plays, he wrote poetry, he wrote on philosophy. He wrote commentaries on Bhagavatam, he even wrote a Sanskrit grammar called Harinama Vakranam especially for the Vaishnavas in which every sutra has got name of Krishna and this grammar is still being taught in this area in fact I myself run a school of Harinama Vakran here and at Radhakund we have two branches and there are about 50 students studying it so, so much literature was produced and not only that it was just a repetition of things, but novel ideas were brought out from the original texts such as Bhagavata Purana. Sanskrit as their literary medium, Bhagavata Purana, canonical text of new tradition, focal point of novel expositions. So newer and newer ideas were brought out from Bhagavata Purana, especially showing that how Krishna is actually the source of all avatars is when Bhagwan speaking about bhakti as the fifth purushartha. In India we know that traditionally there are four purushartha, dharma, artha, kama and moksha, but the Goswamis they propagated a fifth purushartha, which they called as prema or priti or love. And this was all, all derived from literature such as Bhagavata Purana. They also spoke of two types of bhakti, vedhi-bhakti, which is based on following rules and regulations, and Bhakti which comes from the heart and then there are the scholars who wrote commentaries on the principal Upanishads, a new way of interpreting the Upanishads, Bhagavad Gita and Vedanta Sutra. So so much was written here and this was not only just in 16th, 17th century but it continued till 20th century, in fact till today we have scholar living at our place, he has commented on the Vedanta Sutra, on the Baldev Bidyabhusan's commentary. He has written commentary. This is the latest edition. He has written a book called Goswami's book called Samvadani. He has written a commentary on that in Sanskrit. So, works are still coming out. There are recently, on Krishnarao Shastri, he wrote commentary on the whole Bhagavatam. So. Sanskrit is very much alive, at least in the area. And here we have a quote from a very great scholar. Most people may have heard his name, Edward C. Dimock. Rupa and Sanatan and their nephew Jiva were brilliant men learned in the Shastras and every conceivable category of learning from aesthetics to grammar. Jiva was perhaps the most brilliant of all and he has more than 20 Sanskrit works covering grammar, poetry, poetics, ritual, theology and philosophy to his credit including the monumental Satsandarvas, which is the first full treatment of the Theology of Bengal School of Vaishnavism. So, this is to show then there other contemporaries, along with the Goswamis like Prabodhanandachar, Saraswati, Narayan Bhatta. Narayan Bhatta wrote also maybe 30 books in Sanskrit. And many other scholars, Krishnadas Kaviraj, he was just contemporary. And then Vishnath Chakurti came later on in seventeenth century, Baldewud Bhushan, late seventeenth century, beginning of eighteenth century. So they all composed. So he is another quote, Tarapad Mukho He says that the real Chaitanya Charitamrita was the Sanskrit skeleton that was fleshed out by the Bengali text. Although Krishna Das Kaviraj wrote one work in Sanskrit called Govind Lilamrit, it is a Mahakavya. But he also wrote Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is very popular just like the Ramcharitmanas of Tulsidas. But uh, although this is in Bengali, but uh, it has got 3000 quotes from Sanskrit, embraced by nearly 20,000 verses of Bengali. This is a statement of Tony Stewart. So, massive production was done. Then we have 20th century Kedarnath Dutta. Bhaktivnod, yeah, he is in the 19th century and he wrote more than 100 books in Sanskrit, Bengali and English and some were of course commentaries, but 20 original works. He wrote Krishna Samhita, Sri Gorang Leela Samarana Stotra, these are Sanskrit works. Then this tradition continues, we have 20th century examples of Sri Haridas Das, of Navdweep, we have Gaudiya Amat, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, he democratized Sanskrit. Anybody can read, not that it is just a you know, property of some few scholars. Then we had Puridas Goswami, Krishnadas Baba of Kusum Sarovar, my own Gurudev Sri Haridas shastri He printed more than 100 books, most of them in Sanskrit. He commented them, he was teaching the works. Hundreds of students studied under him. I was one of them. So there are new Sanskrit commentaries. I mentioned this already. Pandit Anand Gopal Das is our one of the teachers. Giraj Kishore Shastri made already mention of this. So now this is one of the uh, three categories of the case study. So this to show that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is based on Sanskrit literature and it has continued writing works in Sanskrit although not so much is being produced but the original works are still being studied and newer and newer meanings are coming out of that which is a type of new imagination as Pollock says that is also as good as writing new works and then the second category is the contemporary Sanskrit education so there are three types of institutions for this there are government institutions specifically universities. There is a Ban Maharaj College here in Vrindavan. There's colleges in Mathura. So Sanskrit is one of the subjects being taught there. Then there are private institutions and I've done a survey. There are at least 30 plus Sanskrit schools in Raj area, which is Vrindavan, Radhakund, Govardhan, Barsana, Nandgaam, Gajipur, etc. I also run a private institute where I teach Sanskrit and Sanskrit literature. In fact, at present I am giving a 6 month course where more than 50 students have come from all over the world. They are staying here and learning subjects such as Nyaya, Yoga Sutra, Bhagavad Gita, Vedanta Sutra and so on. And then there is another way of teaching which which goes unnoticed most of the time. That is a traditional Guru Shashya relationship. There are hundreds of ashrams in Vrindavan and most Heads of the ashrams, they are scholars, they teach to their students, their disciples. So this way Sanskrit remains alive. And then the, another vitality of Sanskrit is through rituals. So Sanskrit plays an indispensable role in ritual performance. It is catalysts of cultural animation. Novel production of social images and samskaras, all the Hindu samskaras, they are done through Sanskrit mantras, chanting of mantras, totra prayers in the temples, deity installation, deity worship. All this makes use of Sanskrit language and the you know, Pandas, Pujaris, they may not be great Sanskrit scholars, but they have some knowledge of that. So here I read one quote from Tony Stewart, he says each generation was charged with the responsibility of revalorizing its tradition without destroying it, to make it relevant to a contemporary world without having to diverge from the general consensus of its broad normative ideas. So there are always newer and newer ideas, nuances which come out from the old works of the great Acharyas. And then we have the Pandas who take the who are like the spiritual guides in the holy place. Then there are Bhagwat Kathakars this is very, one very popular way of speaking and there are seven days programs given by speakers and although they speak in Hindi but they all the time quote from Sanskrit, they have to know Sanskrit and many of the people in the audience they also know. So this is the Another way of Sanskrit being a vital source for social life, for spiritual religious life, here in Braj area. So this is my conclusion that significant doubt cast on Pollock's provocative argument. An outcome of Vraja case is that novel literary contribution, Sanskrit historical vibrancy, small part in and, and tapestry of Sanskrit's rich and variegated intellectual history. So. Same probably can be done studies with other Sampradayas, like Vallabha Sampradaya. So much literature produced in their Sampradaya, Nimbarka Sampradaya. And then you go to South India, we have Madhva Sampradaya, we have Sankara Sampradaya, we have Sri Sampradaya. Then we have Kashmir Shaivism and the other branches of Shaivism. And then tantras, which are also all originally written in Sanskrit. And there are so many people who are still following them and studying in you know, putting them in their life. So to say that Sanskrit is dead, I think it is a very tall claim and does not hold ground. Thank you. Help me! you can do two things. You can go to the subscribe button on my YouTube and subscribe. We need more subscribers there. Uh, Secondly, I get lots of emails on people saying, how do we donate? How can we help you? Uh, You go to rajimulhotra.com or you go to infinityfoundation.com and you can hit the donate button. You can donate in dollars. There are different ways mentioned. If you want to donate in rupees, there is a column called uh, infinity foundation India and you click that and there are instructions on how you can donate in India.